From the Twin Cities PBS archives, a conversation with Dominique Sarand, originally broadcast in 1992. He is one of the four artistic directors of Théâtre de la Jeune Lune. He's known to Twin Cities audiences for his eccentric and visual productions. Our guest is Dominique Sarand. In the next half hour, he muses about finding a home for the theater, living here, and about some of the sacrifices he has made. What does it mean to you that now Junlun has its own theatrical home? Well, it means... Uh, it means uh, uh, lots of things. One... Did we start? Yeah. <laughs> that was my big opening question. Oh, it, it means first that, that we, we, can, we can cook in our own place. We, you know, it's not trying to live in somebody else's clothes or, or place. It also means that we have command of, uh, of the way we relate to each other instead of, uh, you know, it's like being in a rental forever. It's like living a student, like a student forever and ever. So we finally own our place. It also means that the work can be more consistent. How? Because there is an attached, there is a root. Now we, we're building a root, a seed. Lots of projects that we wanted to do for years will finally be able to, to exist because they needed, they needed to have this type of pace. You can rest, you can think, you, know, you can pace in your own space. You don't have to worry so much. Now I say all these things, and of course, in two years from now, I'll say, look, it was hell for two years, and we didn't have any room, any time. It's an important, very important step. I mean, you have to remember that the company, when, when we started, uh, we're basically putting all the money on the table. We're living, what, 12 in the same two-bedroom apartment, or 11. And we'd put all the money we could find from and put it on the table and, and go buy food. And it's been like that for a very long time. It was not like, uh, it was not like just, and it gradually got more comfortable. Now we have salaries and it's, it's better. But those things were, were on you very strongly. And, uh, I, I find it very discouraging for actors or artists and that uh, they still, I mean, all my friends who are, I know young artists are still struggling the same way we do. Um, there is really no money for artists. There's money for organizations, there's money for... There's some, there are some monies. But still, being being an actor and being an artist in this society is is uh, is very hard, and unsupported, and uh, and when it is very little. I I don't think I know. In this community, I, maybe I know a hundred artists who are paid decently or above. That's nothing. It's ridiculous. So, so personally, that wore me out the same way it would to anyone who is doing this profession. But you chose to make the compromises. No, I didn't choose to not have any money. I chose to just do my profession, no matter what would happen. And, uh, and 
Right. I've done that choice. But, I, but I've made the choice of, of not having any money to live on. And uh, it's, I, think it's, I think it's wrong. I think it, it destroys the life and the work of artists to not support them. Uh, I think it's a hindrance. It doesn't, there's this old saying that artists should be poor. And, it, and it, believe me, it goes on. It goes on. It goes on. It's, uh, uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be. It's a strong belief that artists should be poor and uh, not have anything and not have any support. And that's dead wrong. And I, I'm, if there is one thing that I'm ashamed of for America, it's the way it treats its artists. That comes out of the myth that great art comes out of struggle, right? Yeah, which is very wrong. Suffering. Yeah, that's, the suffering exists even if you're loaded with money. That doesn't. You know, it's not a question of money. The suffering. It's the way you are, the way you look at the world, the way it hurts you. And the world is, as we know, a very not a very nice place right now. The Zhulun people that we're talking about in this world is your family here in America and has been for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But who's the family from whence you really come in France? It's a, it's a thick family, in a way. There's a lot of background, there's a lot of past history. Um, my family all lives together in the same building in Paris. All children, grandparents, parents, everybody, grandchildren. I'm the only one who, who doesn't live there. So there is a great sense of community in a way, and there's a very independent people. And where are you in the group of children? Second. Of? Five. And you're the only one who doesn't live in the apartment building in France? And who doesn't have children or who isn't married, yes. How does that feel, all of that? That feels, uh, depends which day. Today? Today, it's okay. And when it's not okay, what does it feel like? Uh, it feels sometimes that I'd like to see them more, that I'd like to be with them, and uh, that I'd like to have a family, to be closer, yeah. But I've made a, I made a choice years ago that my, my profession, my engagement in my career uh, was what I wanted to do and that's what I spent my time doing. Which is, when you think about it, a huge commitment. But uh, I had to do it. It was, uh, I didn't find my place in the, the theater and the way it was uh, built and existed and, and I had to, to create what I've created. And I find now that I've achieved that, it's been achieved, and, uh, and well. And uh, now I need to spend more time on the other part. So what will you do? What will I do? I don't know. <laughs> I'm working on it. So there. why do you do it? Because we really want to, because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a great desire. We think that what we have to, to, to give is, uh, and for ourselves to do is, uh, it's profoundly exciting, that it's very important to our society, that we're part of a, a life that's needed. That sounds like a stupid answer. But so, in order to do this, you've made certain sacrifices. Lots. Yeah. Can you describe to me what they are, as you see them? Well, sacrifices of, um, in terms of uh, just relationships with friends. Uh, time, mostly, um, 
of course, we are on schedules and I'm on schedules that, that are not compatible with people who live a so-called normal, normal life, who work normal hours. And, um, and, I'm, and I have a huge family in a way. When I direct a show, I direct a company. I'm responsible for an entire, with other people, but I'm deeply responsible for an entire society. For their, if the show is wrong and the box office is terrible, the, 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 whole, the whole thing is at stake. So it's a worry, uh, and, and, and it's a worry that, that, I, that I have constantly. But you like that responsibility. I like the responsibility. I don't like the worry. Would you like to have that responsibility in a personal sense, a family that you also have to provide for? Oh, there for? yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But I have to learn how to take time away from, from the work. And I'm working on that. When you leave the work completely behind you and you give yourself the permission yeah. to just shut the door on the theater, I mean completely, yeah. then what do you do? I go sailing. That's one of the most uh, beautiful things that I've done, that I'd like to do always, and I'd like to do a lot. I guess uh, the sea, just being on the sea, is a wonderful thing. There's no... Well, I go... Because I go in, a, in Brittany, which is very... It's very windy, and uh, it's not very nice. It's not a nice place. It's not touristy. It's, uh, you just don't fight, you, there is no games, there is no games played, there is no, you're just dealing with a very simple thing, you have to stay, to stay in the wind and float and, and move on. Do you feel a sense of being displaced all the while that you're here? No. I mean, it's always, it's, I feel, this is my place now, I bought a house and, that I like a lot and, and I have roots here and I'm at, uh, it's my place, but uh, the same way, this is not my language. Um, my, my language is the one from, you know, from the breast. That and and so I have lots of places that are imprinted that will never go away, and those those I need to see. But you feel firmly rooted here. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. No sense of being French in a non-French place. Sometimes. <laughs> Give me an example of a time that's uh, like I, that. I, then, well, when I do interviews, for instance. Like be, now? Like now. Because, because my, I think my language in French is much, uh, um, much more colorful, much more respectful of, what I've, of the way I, I feel and talk. In English, I have to translate, and my vocabulary is smaller. And I also learned a lot of habits of how to speak ways of speaking and in French I, I deconstruct the habits of speaking and it, it's, it's, it's closer to the way I like to talk my language. So uh, we lose here. But you stay here yeah. and you chose to be here. Absolutely. Because? Be because, I, because I have strong attachments from all my friends are here and my work and uh, if I went back to France, I would uh, be miserable after six months, I'm sure. You think so? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I have 20 years of my life is here. But you'd be back in a place where your family was, 
example, you use only your language. But still, it would do the same effect in reverse. I think I need both now. More, and the balance is just, I'm, I'm too much here and too much working. But I'm, I'm changing that. I'm, uh, I think doing extra work and finding other ways of making money and uh, being able to say, no, I'm not going to do this for now. I have to, I have to do other things will, will help. It's a little difficult because it's, uh, if everyone in the company starts saying, I have to do a movie now or I have to go and step aside for a while, it always hurts a little bit. You think, well, do they hate me or they don't like this? But it, we just have to learn. It's, it's going to be a difficult moment. We'll have to learn it. We need to accept that. And, and I'll have to learn it first because I'm very possessive, of course. Of the people in the company? Of the whole thing. It's, 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 it's mine. I mean, it's ours, but, it, but by, by being ours, it's mine very profoundly. And, uh, and everything that is done is, uh, touches me. So you're here. You bought a house. Yeah. There's 20 years. You're not going anywhere. No. Because rumor had it that if there would be no new building for Jun Lun, you might leave. Oh, absolutely. I think if the building hasn't gone, I think this company would have just stopped. Um, the exhaustion was too much. We gave too much. We worked too hard. And we felt that there was not, if that was the case, after all the involvement we had done, it was not worth it. Might as well, the, the, the company would not have been able to, to survive. And, uh, but that's not the case. The case is that we had the support, and not only we had it, but in an enormous way. I mean, this building is a huge surprise. I think when we first started to think about it, it was, we estimated maybe uh, three quarters of a million dollars was all we could raise. We're close to three million. And the building is paid for, or pledged for, completely before we even open in two months. And it's beautiful, and it's at the size that we want. It, it, I think it's, it's uh, no, it's an incredible success. So we have no reason to, we had maybe no reason to doubt, but we did. When will your parents come see you in the new building? They're coming for opening night. And they've seen you perform here before, I think. They came to see Cyrano. They... I think they were impressed. Did they tell you? No. You know, no, they wouldn't. Well, what made you think they were impressed? Because they talked to, they talked to other people in the family. My parents are proud people who would not admit it. As long as I know. Tell me about the story of becoming legal. I have a green card, which is a, which is a b blue, white, and pink card. Light blue. It's, it's quite pretty. Except they make you take the picture. You have to turn so that you, they can see the ear. And uh, it's a machine. Uh, it, it's not a very good camera. The immigration service has a very poor camera, so the, they, it looks very contrasty, and you look like you have a very heavy beard. And if you're dark hair like me, you end up looking uh, like a terrorist, kind of, which I think serves a purpose, so that when you show the card, it, it, you, the, you're an alien. So I look like an alien, really, on the, on the card. I'm legal. It, it was a very difficult experience because um, there was a retro 
active law that said that if you had been working in this country for so long, you didn't have right to have a permit anymore and you had to have a green card, but the green cards would not be allowed unless, unless you were a very well-known person. And so we had to make a case that I was very well-known. Um, and you had, there are specifics, you know, you have to have your p picture on a, the cover of a magazine. And it, I had my picture on a cover of a magazine, so, so it worked. And the only thing that didn't match was a salary. I had to have a salary that was really big. And, and, but I got, thanks to um, hundreds of people who signed for me, uh, all my friends and, and uh, the mayor, I mean, the, the governor, everybody signed. And finally I got the, I got the paper. But I was almost kicked out of the country before I did. And I didn't do anything wrong. It was just this, uh, I think, this big preoccupation from the unions not to let foreign people come in and, and, and steal jobs. Like if I was stealing jobs, you know. I, what, I created maybe hundreds of jobs. So, but that's a rule. And, and as such, I could not act in a lot of theaters because the union was not allowing me, um, because I'm French. So for years, I, the, the Guthrie asked me to be on, in, in different shows as an actor, and, and I could never do that because the, the union forbid me to do so. So that's over, at least I'm legal, but uh, I still have union things that, uh, with the equity. When you thought that maybe you wouldn't get the green card and you'd have to go back, what did you plan for yourself? Well, I planned a few things. A couple of them I can't make them public, but one of them uh, was that, that I would raise hell. Uh, I mean, that I thought that it would be so unfair after everything I'd done and invested. And I thought, well, if worse come to worse and I can't come back, then I'll just go back to France and uh, go to my little village uh, and install myself there and start uh, writing a one-man show and uh, go around and, and do it, see what happens. Why can't you say the other things in public that you would have done? Because they're not legal. I find it very full, very filling to be directing a show. It's a a great experience. You, you, if things come alive, it's, it's beautiful. It's just extraordinary. So we look for those instants, where those moments. And many times when I direct, I find that uh, that there are very tiny, small moments that didn't have a lot of importance in the preparation, and that don't overall necessarily mean a lot or are extremely important. But they're so precious, and those I try to 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 support and to create, a, to, to encourage. And they finally give this incredible, uh, I find this, this beauty in a particular production, those precious moments. When I'm acting, it's a different, acting is a totally different story. I get very nervous, I get very worried. I never understand what I'm supposed to do. I'm, uh, I'm nervous like crazy, even just before the show. I, it's a very, I don't understand anything about acting. I, I know that when I go, I work on it, and I try to ask questions, and, and I try to see why this text is written this way, why, why am I supposed to say this. But I find acting is a, 
it's an incredible effort, but I, I can never make it a cerebral experience. It, it just doesn't work. And I cannot protect myself behind little, this character says this because of that. Or, it just doesn't work for me that way. I never understand what a, what a character is about. I always find flaws or, or things that are unsaid. I'm more interested in what, the, what is unsaid than what is written. And, and eventually, it comes out okay or not, or good. I have very little command of what it means to act. I don't know what. I, and if people ask me what I do, I, I'm not quite capable of understanding it. Why do you keep doing it? I do it less and less, actually. I find it a very... Uh, very frustrating, difficult thing. But you must have gotten something from just the experience of the confusion of the presence on stage, right? Oh, the, uh, the uh, excitement about being on stage and doing something and, and, and getting it across and making it work is, of course, it's something... It's, it's I don't know, it's probably like, uh, like running and at the Olympics, and, and, and if, if you're on the right day and you've all prepared, it's just it's incredible. It's an incredible experience. But it's also, there's also the whole part about being worried and, and nervous. And, and, uh, and right now, I don't want to go in front of an audience. I'm just not, I'm not... I'll do it, but it's not my main thing. I'm much more interested in directing and uh, composing and that part is much more, much more vital to me right now. You were talking about the creation of very specific, small, beautiful moments. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of one in a play? Yeah, I think, well, personal. Um, I think in, uh, for instance, in the show Circus, I was doing a, a number with a, a cup of tea balance on my head uh, with Ted Kaiser, with the, the two actors together. And the, the idea was to walk and to get caught into this drop that would come down from the ceiling right into, into the cup. And it was very difficult to, I mean, we, we had to rehearse, obviously, I mean, it would always fall off and you can't look up and but we worked so technically so for so long into trying to make it work and it was never achieved the number was never completely finished but the result the experience of doing it in front of an audience after all this work was just remarkable there was something magical about this number there have been several several moments of course i think of cyrano which is a great part for me and uh, there's been particular moments in that play that, that were profoundly uh, moving to play. Tell me one. The end, the death, when, when he finally, uh, when Cyrano finally um, accepts that he was the one writing the letters. It was a beautiful, beautifully written. But when you hear tears in the audience, for instance, while you're talking, it's... And it, you know something is, is 
happening beyond the words and beyond it's not it's beyond just a natural act it's where you go you give something of yourself that that is not that is uncontrollable in a way what's your purpose here for the next 10 years 20 years what's your view of your life from here on in Well, different things. I'd like to. Uh, I want to pursue my work as a director. And the vision on you, personally. Personally. I don't know. I, I, I have no vision. On me personally. Vague desires. Vague. De oh yeah, lots of vague desires. But I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to. To establish my life in here and see how I want to do it, not alone. Because uh, I think I'm a terrible person in, uh, at solitude. My solitude is not good for me. And there's too much of that. And, um, but that comes with also, I think, with the, with the work. It's a very terribly uh, solitary work. And, uh, and being known in some way creates an a very large amount of solitude. Dominique Sarand, thank you for being with us on Thanks. Portrait. Funding for this TPT archival podcast was made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund 